we're not done with this song. We're not done, done with what the Lord has to say through this song, but I want to share with you something because the Lord's going to have some of you rise up in victory today in the perseverance that you are not going to give in to the storm. You are not going to give in to the battle. Some of you, you're wanting to just surrender in the battle and the enemy wants you to surrender, but you're going to, I prophesy over your life, you're going to outlast the battle. You're going to outplay the enemy. You're going to outwit him. You will outwit him. You will not surrender to what the enemy wants you to surrender to, but you are going to plow. You're going to plow through your storm. Do you hear me? You're going to plow through your storm. I want you to be seated because I want to share with you some testimony. Pastor David and I were on the same page this morning. I, I came into the office and I said, I just feel like the Lord wants us to share some testimony to encourage you. I've have a, had a few things going on as typical when we press in. The enemy wants to press back. But you know what? We shove back. Amen. We don't, we don't go, oh, I'm so scared I'm going to run in it. No, we shove back. That doesn't diminish the truth that we feel tired sometimes, that we feel emotionally exhausted sometimes when we're in the heat of battle. As you know, and as it's highlighted actually today, I have an organization that supports a lot of ministries specifically in India. And recently, actually in December, I had sent a lot of money over to India to uh, one of my pastor's accounts. I had wired money. It was nearly $10,000. It was a lot of money, 10000 USD. The, fact, the problem was she didn't get it. The problem was they didn't want to give it to her. The problem was that they wanted to bring her in and terrorize her and interview her and question her and this went on for days and days and days and days and I knew about it and there was nothing I could do on my side there was nothing my bank could do and it came to the situation where she said I don't think I'm going to get the money I said well then it, we need to get it sent back my heart was very discouraged actually I had an India team meeting and it still hadn't been resolved. And I had told the team in my meeting, I felt like this was not about the money. It was about the breakthrough that the Lord had for India and why God was sending us. So it was more than just money. The money was just the symbol, see? It was just the symbol that was in the battle. And so I said, you know what, team? We're going to pray. We're going to believe God that, you know, having victory in this situation is is like a precursor or a symbol of the victory we're going to have in India. So we prayed together, we left, and you know what happened? Still the battle raged. The battle still raged. She still didn't get the money. And I'm like, I just told my India team that this symbolizes how effective and what kind of breakthrough we're going to have in India, and I'm going down for the count. And in my spirit, I was like, you know, I was feeling pretty discouraged because I had my father, who is the treasurer of my organization, go into the bank 
and to talk with the bank manager. She said, nothing we can do, nothing we can do. India sigh, we're not going to give it to her. Mama, she's not going to, they're not going to give it to me over and over. I was like, I'm like, Lord, my faith is being tested here. And my dad called me and he said, you know, I'm really upset about this money thing. I said, I am too. This has been going on for 20 days, a month and a half. It's even longer than that, but bank days, let's say, business days. And he said, you know, I'm going to pray with you. And he began to pray. And I felt a break in the heavenly. Nothing had changed in the physical. But I felt a difference. When he had prayed that prayer of faith. And the Lord gave me a word in the midst of this. And I was in my devotional time. I had started in Genesis. And I was at the story where Abraham brings up Isaac to sacrifice him on the mountain because God had asked him to do it. And there was no lamb for the sacrifice. So Isaac was going to be the lamb. And before Abraham killed Isaac, before his hand came down with his knife, the Lord stopped and call, stopped Abraham and called to him and said, Abraham, Abraham. And let me just read to you this scripture. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He answered, here I am. The Lord said, do not reach out with a knife in your hand against the boy and do nothing to harm him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and glanced around, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham named this place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be seen and provided. And so this is the scripture I, I got from the Lord. And when I was looking and I was researching it, it means that the Lord will see and provide. But it actually means I'll see to it. Lynn, I got this. I'll see to it. He spoke that to me. He said, you know what? You've done all you could do. But I'm going to see to it. So the next day, the next morning I get up, I have a phone call from my bank. And the bank says to me, you know what, you need to have your husband, who's also on the account, come and confirm the account number of this pastor in India. So I said, David, get up. We got to do this because it was an East Coast bank. He calls, he confirms that number. And the Lord on the other side releases the funds. <laughs> Just like that. He changes the heart of the bank manager. He changed Amen. the heart of everything. See, the Lord says, I'm going to see to it. You've been in the battle, but I'm going to see to your victory. Yeah. Come on. I'm going to see to your victory. It may look like everybody's telling you, no, 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 no. But God says, my yes cancels their no. Yeah. My yes cancels their no. Let me give you another testimony. There was a lady, a family that visits this church when they're in town. And 
she gave me a testimony on a Christmas, around Christmas, one of the Sundays on Christmas, and I told her, will you write that down? I want to share it with my congregation. And she actually said, I don't remember your name because she only comes on Christmas and Easter when she's in town to visit family. And she says, dear Mrs. Pastor, I like that, dear Mrs. Pastor, sorry, I don't know your name. My name is Carolyn Estrada, and my brother and sister-in-law live about five blocks from your church. My husband and I have been going periodically to your church for over 10 years. We live in, a, in Cambria now and visit often. Last year during Easter, we attended your church, me and my husband, my brother, and she lists her family. We took up two pews to the right of the stage, probably too much info. You came over and introduced yourself. And you met everyone, then followed some awesome praise and worship and a great sermon from your husband. And then the ladies were admiring your shoes. Laugh out loud. After service, my daughter... After service, my daughter had just found out that she was pregnant about three months. However... It was a high-risk pregnancy because she had just suffered a miscarriage Christmas night. So we went up for prayer, and you mentioned that pregnancies and women were your specialties. We explained what had happened at Christmas, and you proceeded to pray for her. And you laid your hands on her tummy, and after a while you said, this is something I don't regularly do or say, but you're having a little girl, a healthy little girl. And we told you her due date, and it was on your birthday, my birthday. And I, I believe that was October 17th. Well, she had her healthy little girl, Yvonne, although she had it at a C-section on 10-10-18. We just want to thank you for your prayers. You gave us hope and peace after that prayer. You are a mighty woman of God. I would like to also mention that my niece had a beautiful encounter that Easter Sunday. We had just lost my brother, her dad, on March 5th. She visits me. So we were all crying during praise and worship, thinking of my brother, and she said she felt someone's hands on her shoulders and arms from behind, rubbing them softly. And when she turned around, there was no one behind her. So beautiful. The Lord gave them a beautiful baby girl. Yeah. Come on, that's a miracle. High-risk pregnancy. Now, Pastor David, you have another. See, the thing is, I want you to know, God will see to it. God will see to it. Power. There you go. Some of you are here six, seven years ago. Hi, Jenny. How you doing, sweetie? Some of you are here six or seven years ago, and... When we first became the pastors of this church, this church was in a real difficult situation. You'd been without a pastor for two years. Uh, the building was in, didn't look like this. I mean, it looked like old brown paneling and nasty, nasty carpet and stained pews. And it was, it was pretty, pretty gnarly. And uh, 
over the last several years, God has been faithful to provide. We've had people that have sacrifices, make sacrifices. We've had people that made donations. We've had people that come in and done work. We've had contractors that have actually come in and volunteered some things even. And, and look what we have now. You're sitting on basically brand new pews, on brand new carpeting in a beautiful facility. Everything's paid for. There used to be this big screen down here. You couldn't even see the cross. We put beautiful things in. God's done a great work, right? But there's one problem. We have a parking lot that's a mess. And the parking lot, if you drive in, and, and, and if any of you get locked out, let me just take a, 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 a pause here. We had to put a gate in for our school because of the security issues. Uh, if you get locked in, all you have to do is press the little buzzer. For some reason, the gate kept closing today. Uh, Brian Bristol was coming in, and, and I, I joked to him. He says, we pulled up, and the gate was locked. I said, yeah, I saw you coming around the corner, and we just locked the gate on you, you know. Uh, it's just, we're still working out the kinks in the gate, or if you're here during the week and you stop by, just press the button and there's about eight people on campus that it rings their phones and they'll let you right in, it's not a problem. If there is any major problems, Mrs. Marsha Angiano right here, you just talk to her, uh, she'll solve it, okay? Uh, but our parking lots are really bad. Both driveways need to be redone. And we've been trying to raise money for that. And I just wanna let you know that someone wrote a check today for over $175,000. Yeah. And I tell you that because of this. Their testimony is your prophecy. Let me explain that to you. You may be going through something, and you may have been going through it for a long time, but God is never going to fail you. His word says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through the fire. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through the storm. That doesn't mean you're not going to get kicked around a little bit. But every time you get kicked around, what happens? You pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you say, hey, that was great. Let's go for round two. You get into round two, and you get knocked down, you stand up. You know, I could do 20 rounds of this. And God has been taking us as a congregation on a journey to speak to your situation that no weapon formed against you is able to prosper. And we're going to believe that with you. We're going to believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what all of you imagine or ask. Now, you guys have crazy imaginations. I've talked to most of you. You've got crazy thoughts in your heads, right? So do I. I want God to do crazy things. You know what? He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above that. can Can I steal your hat? Here's a guy that a year ago didn't know what he was going to be doing. I remember having prayer last year during the Daniel fast, remember? That he wasn't sure what he was going to do. Now he's got his own plumbing business. Yeah. You know? Amen. So you know what I do? I come to your house. I stuff all kind of toilet paper down your drains. I take a wad full. I stick everything in your drains. You get business for our brother, you know? But I, I, tell, you, I tell you our testimonies today because of this. We want God to do a breakthrough. This is the year of Jubilee. This is the seventh year God's blessing wants to pour out. And we want to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. You, Yeah, we're going to do something here. We're going to sing that song again. And when I want you to start singing that song. And when the, the part comes, I'll rise in victory. Those of you that say, I need to rise in my victory, and I'm going to do it by faith today. I'm going to do it. Amen. I'm going to exercise the faith that's in my heart regarding the situation that I'm battling. I want you to stand up, and we're going to pray for you afterwards. 
We're going to believe God. It's time for victory in your house. It's time for victory in your marriage. It's time for victory in your finances. It's time for victory. It's time. Pastor David has the oil, and as you rise, he's going to go over, and he's just going to anoint you, okay? You believe God? Do we live in Nazareth? No. Nazareth was the place of doubt. We believe God. Amen. We live in Morgan Hill. Morgan Hill believes God. This house believes God. We believe God. Look what the Lord has done. We have shared with you this testimonies because the Lord has done great things for us. And the Lord will do great things for you. You just won a million bucks, people. You just won a million dollars. Let me, let, let, me, let me clarify something to you, too. We talked about two areas. One, well actually, kind of three if you could. Uh, a long-time problem being solved in an instant. Some of you are going through long-time problems that God wants to address in an instant. The second thing we talked about was finances. Some of you are dealing with something financially that's a burden upon you that the Lord wants you to, to do this. Scripture says, cast your cares upon me. Why? Because I care for you. And the third thing is, we talked about releasing of, uh, in this the illustration that, that Pastor Lynn read about the woman, was releasing a healing for pregnancy or something that is you, you want to give birth to. Now, it could be a physical pregnancy. You may be having fertility problems. You may be standing in for someone that fertility problems. You may be dealing with someone that there's some, some, some issues that you're dealing with in your body. Or it could be a dream or vision that God has given you that he wants you to give birth to. And so when we're, we're singing this song and you stand up, and I'm not even going to ask you what you're praying for. This is between you and the Lord. There is only one mediator between man and God, and that's Christ Jesus. And as you stand, I'm just going to anoint you with oil. This is frankincense oil. And frankincense oil is a, an oil of blessing and prosperity and favor. And so as you stand this morning, just trust the Lord that in his due season, you don't grow weary in well-doing, but you believe him that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you imagine or ask. Amen? What we're going to do is I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you. We're going to be in agreement. You're going to be in agreement. A part of, um, as, a, as you were singing, the Holy Spirit was just laying upon my heart that some of you right now that the enemy is trying to whisper doubt and fear into your mind, into your thoughts. The enemy is trying to remind you of why you're not going to have your victory. And we're going to rebuke the devourer right now. We refuse those thoughts. We refuse those words. You will not be in agreement with the enemy's words. Amen. You're going to be in agreement with the Lord's word. And he told you this day that I'm going to see to it. I'm yeah. going to see to it. I'm going to give you your victory. You have done, you have done what I have asked you to do. You have obeyed me, and I'm going to see to it. I'm going to see to it. And when God sees to it, man's no cannot trump God's yes. Do you hear me? Man's no cannot trump God's yes. And God is saying to you, yes, yes, I'm going to see to this. I'm going to see to the victory. So we're going to be in agreement. We are a house. We are one. We are one together. You are not alone. You are not alone in your battle. You are not alone. Scripture says two or three gather together in, your, in his name. We can ask anything. 
And we're going to ask today. We're going to ask. And right now, now I want you to pray for the person on your right and on your left. I want you just to, to do a prayer of faith. Sometimes it's easier to have faith for other people than ourselves. So I want you to do a prayer of faith for the person right now. Right now. Lord, we believe. We believe you. We believe what you say. You're doing miracles in this house. This is a supernatural people. We are a supernatural people. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the same. You are the God that heals. You are the God that brings new life to death. You are the God who restores. You are the God who redeems, who brings back. Lord, we surrender to you. We take courage. Our hearts take courage in you, Lord. We hope in you, Lord. We hope in you. We do not receive the report of the world. We do not receive the report of the enemy. We receive the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord produces life. The word of the Lord creates the Lord, word of the Lord opens the door for miracles. We receive the word of the Lord. I say breakthrough for those who are in the heat of battle, for those who have been in battle a long time. Say breakthrough, breakthrough. You are the one that opens the way. You are the one that causes the walls to fall. You are the God who caused Jericho's walls to fall. You are the one that parted the Red Sea. You do it for us today. Where there is an impossible ability, Lord, you say it's not impossible for me. We will not agree with the spirit of impossibility. We will agree with you, Lord, that nothing is too hard for our God. Nothing is impossible for you. We declare it, Lord. We decree it, Father. You have given us the Holy Spirit. You have placed the Holy Spirit in us. You have seated us with Christ in heavenly places. We have authority through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, through that authority that you have given to us through your precious blood, we agree and we stomp on the devil's head today. We kick him in the teeth. We render him mute today. And we believe you and we will look for, just like you asked Abraham to look up and look over and he saw the answer he saw the ram in the thicket you are going to say look up look over here here is the answer may we have our eyes fixed on you lord for you bring the answer may our ears be attentive to your voice may we not listen to the world May we not listen to other people even who may be a voice of the world. May we not listen to the enemy, but may we listen to your voice because you're going to direct us. 
you're going to say, see here. See, here is your miracle. See, here is your answer. See, here is your breakthrough. See, here is your healing. See, here is your provision because I am Jehovah Jireh. I will see to it. I will see to it. I will ensure your victory. And we declare this, Lord, in your precious and holy name. Lord says, Ephesians 3.20, I'm going to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine, exceedingly. Uh, whoever wants that, you get up and grab that promise. Ah, he's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine. He's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than, you know what, he's eroding the doubt. There's, got, there's some doubt in here. There's some fear in here, and the Lord's saying, I am taking my word and i am going to take the word and bring down the giant of doubt in your mind i am going to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine we're going to live out the word of god we're going to live it out we're going to live it out How many of you say, that's a word for some of you, just raise your hand. We're going to just, you know what, I receive it. Lord, I want exceedingly. Lord, I want you to show me what that looks like. I want you to show me what that looks like in my life. Exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine. I will not be a spectator. I will be a participator in your word. I will live out the word that you have over my life. You are not normal people you are supernatural you are a supernatural people the enemy wants to take you into saying you're natural you're just like everybody else but when the holy spirit entered into you you have inside of you the same spirit that raised christ from the dead and it dwells in you come on come on stir it up stir up that most holy faith Stir it up, the miracle that you need. Listen, when that story in Scripture says they let down the man through the roof, that lame man, the paralytic, that they let down through the roof, the Scripture says, and his presence, God's presence was there to heal. And they said, you know what? I want to get this person in his presence. And I'm telling you today, God's presence is here for miracles. He will not let me go on and tell you about our announcements because he's saying, my presence is here to heal. Can you rip off the tiles, people? Rip off the tiles and bring down the need. Bring down. It may not be your need. It may be somebody else's need. But bring it because when he saw their faith, he healed the rip the tiles off and let's bring down the need it's time his presence is here for miracles it just takes a mustard seed of faith lord we want more of you we want more 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 of you every area of our life lord every area of our life permeate every area of our life lord saturate every area we're not going to categorize where you can go in our lives lord you can go into every area search our hearts 
Holy Spirit, flood us. Flood us, Lord. Flood us, Lord. Flood us. Lord, break off the dryness of people who are dry, that they've been in a desert. Break off that dryness. There's some of you, the Lord is saying, have been in a desert. You've been in a de You've been faithful, but you've been in a desert. You've get, but you kept going on, but the Lord says you've been in a desert, and the Lord wants to break off that desert today. He wants to break off that desert. He's sending you streams in the desert today. He wants to break that off. He wants to restore the joy of your salvation today. He wants to give renew your spirit today he wants to make you anew and alive today in the desert you have become weary but the Lord says I want to make you alive I want to make you energetic spiritually I want to make you expectant I want you to expect me the Lord is renewing you it's time for renewal it's time even the faithful the faithful, the Lord says, I'm calling out the faithful. I want to renew the faithful. I'm, I want to renew the faithful. Yes, you have been faithful to me, but you've become dry. You've become dry. The Lord says, I want you to fall back in love with me. I want you to fall back in love with me. I want to restore that love that you once had with me. That hunger, the Lord says, I want to stimulate, I want to stir the hunger for me. Not for the world, not for success, not for money, not for things, but for me. The Lord says, I want to stir that hunger, that appetite, that desire. Once again, you had it, you had it, but the Lord says, I want it back. I want that hunger in you for me. Come on, people, so, you, know who, you know who you are. We're not going to be a dry people. Listen, I'm not, you know what? That's not a finger point. I've been there. I've been there many times. When we have been faithful to the Lord, we can get dry. You've given out. You've given out. You've helped others. You've encouraged others. And all of a sudden, you find yourself dry. And the Lord says, I want to renew you. I want to pour out upon you. I want to give you overflowing fountain upon you. If you're dry, I want you to... Raise your hand. Break off that dryness. Break it off. Break it off. Because what happens is that it becomes ritual. It becomes rules. It becomes regulation. It becomes certain things that we do. And the Lord says, I don't want that for you. I want an overflowing fountain. I want you to have joy. I want you to have expectation. I want you to skip. I want you to go onto the heights like the deer on the heights. And I want you to skip on the heights for me. I want you to know of the greatness and of the goodness that I have for you. I don't want you dreary. I don't want you downtrodden. I don't want you weak. I I want your strength to flow through your bones. I want you to wake up in the morning and say, I expect you, Lord. I know you're with me. And, and the fountain flow from you. Break off the dryness, Lord. Break it off the house. Lord, break, off, break it off the faithful, Lord. Break it off in the name of the Lord Most High. Break it off. You're sending your word. You're sending your word to renew your people this day. You're sending your word. We receive your word. Now saturate us, Lord. Saturate us, Lord. Saturate us, Lord. Fill me up. 
Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill. Come on. Let's pray. Let's cry out to the Lord. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. Since he's not here, and he says, Pastor, you better have a good one after that worship service. <laughs> Got you, buddy. Hey, uh, you know, that's, this, this is a, a very always a special time during the year, the Daniel fast, because the, the Lord always does great things. And I was thinking about service and how the Spirit moves. And, you know, if you're not used to that in church, you should, because that's what happened in the early church. And I don't know about you, but I don't go to church just to punch a clock and do a 20-minute message and get out. I want to go to church to hear the voice of the Lord. And, and the reason he gives prophetic words, the reason he gives a gift in the Spirit and an interpretation is because that builds our faith up, you know? And if you're going to be a muscle church, sometimes you need a, a good workout. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times people have a real rough week and, they, they, you know, I don't know about you, but, like, when I'm really stressed out, I need to go to the gym because I'm, like, I'm hyper to begin with, and if I don't expel that energy, it drives my wife absolutely crazy. She'll say, honey, why don't you go to the gym for a couple hours? The world will be a much better place. You know, and when you go to the spiritual gym, that's what we're doing. We're working out, and we want you to be strong in the faith. I don't want wimpy Christians. I want strong men and women of the faith that know the word, that can rightly divide the word of truth and walk in authority. Amen? Amen. So what we're doing, we're in the midst of this whole series, and, and uh, a week and a, a little over a week ago, uh, my wife and I, we, we went out of town for a couple days for a prayer and fasting and study time. Uh, we went down to Morro Bay, and that's where we were working, and this God actually dropped this sermon in my heart a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago, and it was just boom, it was crystal clear. And we're talking about lies that confront us. And an interesting thing, you know, we live in a culture that surrounds us, and so many times we don't even understand it's affecting what we believe. Yes. Uh, let, me, let me give you just a little illustration. You know, you, uh, you get so used to hearing something, you believe it is truth, even though it's not truth. Yes. So let me ask, let me do a quiz here. Can I do a quiz? We're all in school. We're in Sunday school. Okay. Uh, who invented and created the light bulb? Who's that? Thomas Edison. Anyone else? Thomas Edison. Let me see your hands. Wrong. Sorry, Teresa. It was actually the basic concept of the, the light bulb was created over 200 years ago by an English chemist by the name of Humphrey Davy. And he, he was trying to develop a system to use electricity to process, to create light. But what was happening was the problem they were having was that they couldn't find cheap enough metal to create a sustainable light that would, would last for a long time. And so one of the things that happened was uh, they were looking for a cheaper substance, and Edison, uh, was, who was given credit for the, the uh, creation of it, actually was the one who created a sustainable light bulb. Uh, actually, he created in, uh, in that uh, 40 years before him, there was a, another British chemist named Warren uh, De La Rue. He's probably a little bit of a French background. But he was trying to develop uh, a light bulb system that would work, but he couldn't find a substance that would, would do it. So he decided to use platinum. Anyone know how expensive platinum is today? It was just as expensive back then per capita, you know. 
And so they found that it, 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 he tried using it, but it just it, it kept melting. And what happened was uh, another British guy, these Brits were the, the ones that were doing a lot of things, uh, he created a bulb, but it didn't have the longevity of Edison's bulb. So if any of you want to see at a, 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 a hundred, and I think it's 118 years old now, uh, over in Livermore, you can go over to Livermore Fire Department in downtown Livermore, and they have a, a light bulb that was put into service in 1901. I've actually seen it. I used to work in a hospital over in Livermore, and one day I, I thought, you know, I've studied history enough. I, I want to go see this. And I went in, and I was expecting to see this, like, grandiose thing, and it's this little dim, it's about a four-watt bulb now, uh, on, the, on the wall of the fire station in the Livermore Fire Department. If you go to Edison, New Jersey, Edison, New Jersey is named after Thomas Edison. But it really, uh, all these other people did the work, and what, what Edison did, he fine-tuned it and created a vacuum which the incandescent bulbs and the filament wires wouldn't uh, burn out too quickly. And, you know, now we've even progressed on to LEDs, right? Uh, but, you know, that's one of the things we often believe. And you see, as a pastor... My role really is your spiritual coach. You know, I, I want you to, to learn the Word of God. Actually, the Scripture says, if you look in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, I think we have the text up here. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us that there are gifts that are given to the church. Do you know that your pastors are your gifts to you? You, may, you can't exchange them for something else. Uh, you know, you can't swap them out. You can't take them back to re returns. We are gifts to you. And the purpose of, if you look at it, it says, he gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors, teachers, to equip, listen to this, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not the pastor's responsibility to do the work of the ministry. Here's an epiphany for some of you. It's your all's work to do the work of the ministry. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it is on your, your responsibility to be involved in ministry, whatever that may be. Some of it may be sacred, some of it may be out in the secular world, but all of us are called to be pastors. Do you know that? We're called, some of you are pastoring your businesses. Some of you are pastoring your schoolmates. Some of you are pastoring your neighbors. You're, some of you are pestering your neighbors. I mean, you know, we're called to pastor people, okay? And look what it says. And until we come in the knowledge of the Son of God and we mature to the full measure of the statue of Christ. How many of you have reached Christ's statue? You know, none of us have. We're all pressing on to that. And then it says, then, listen, then we will no longer be infants tossed away uh, about by the waves and carried around by every wind and teaching and the clever cunning of men in their deceitful scheming. You see, one of the things that the Word of God does, and if, if, if I could do anything while I'm your pastor, if I could teach you to fall in love with the Word of God and equip yourself so you don't get hoodwinked, you don't get sideswiped, you don't let someone say, well, you know, the, the Bible actually doesn't really mean that. There's a theological term I learned in Missouri when I was going to school there, hogwash, you know? When you rightly divide the word of truth, you'll understand it. So my goal, my, my passion is to help you to filter out the, the, the mostly truths of culture, the lies of culture, the deception of culture, and help you to rightly divide the word of God. 
because there are people, there are people out there that have bad teaching, who have clever schemes that will try to get you to believe it so you don't believe the truth and then you're not set free. Because the truth came, so why? To set you free. And if you know the word, and if you understand the word, and you process the word, and you live the word, and it's just not something you do on Sunday morning for a few minutes, but it's something that takes part of who you are as a person, it processes into your life and it becomes part of you. And as a result of that, then you're able to walk in authority. You know, the, the Bible in Psalm 119 says this. This is a really beautiful quote. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. And I love this picture because it's like if you've ever been in a dark cave. I used to teach spelunking. And I would take people into a dark cave and I'd have them turn all their lights off, cover if they had uh, lights that had uh, the uh, illuminating bands on it, I'd have them cover it. And we'd sit in total darkness. And you could put your face and your hand this close together and you couldn't see it. And then I'd, have, I'd, I'd usually have one person positioned on another part of the cave and I'd have them just strike a match. And it's amazing how one match can illuminate a 60 or 70 foot cavern of light. You could see. You may not be able to see clearly now, but you can see. And that light is what illuminates our path. And you know, God's word is a light unto your path. It's something that helps you to make it through this life. And when we're talking about life, one of the things I want to talk about today is the whole concept of, you know, uh, uh, when Jesus was tempted by the devil. And how many of you have ever been tempted? You know, that's part of life. You're always, there's going to be something in your life that's going to tempt you. And when Jesus was tempted, I love the fact that he didn't sit down and say, well, you know, philosophically, you know, from an Aristotelian point of view or from this Platonic theory or this, you know, he doesn't get through. He says, it is written. And then he quoted scripture. And all through scripture, he quoted it every time he was tempted in Luke chapter 4. Read it yourself. I don't have the notes here, the text up. But in Luke chapter 4, every time Jesus was tempted, he would say, it is written. Why? Because heaven and earth are going to pass away, but the word of God is going to endure forever. And the word, according to John chapter 1, is Jesus who embodied the word of God and became flesh and dwelt and lives among us. So if you were in the word, you know, you know, one of the lies the cultural teaches you is you're by yourself. You're all alone. You don't have anyone. What's the theological term I taught you? Hogwash. The word of God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm a husband to the husbandless. I'm a father to the fatherless. I have adopted all of you orphans. That You may not have anyone, but you've been adopted by me. You no longer are alone. I will impart my Holy Spirit to you who will guide you and direct you, and he will help you to have understanding of this word so that you can walk in the authority that I've given you. That's the truth. So why is the Word of God so powerful? Because Scripture, the book of Hebrews, says that it's like a two-edged sword. It's like a sword that cuts both ways so that it's a defensive, it's an offensive weapon. It's something that empowers you to have the mind of Christ. And if you are not, if you're not embracing the Word and allowing the Word of God to take hold of who you are as a person, you're walking in, in, in inefficiency as a believer. You cannot be a strong Christian if you're not in the Word. You cannot be a strong follower of Christ if you're not getting into the Word of God. So I want to take a, a, just a, a stroll through a, a little section of the book of Romans this morning. In Romans chapter 6, there's an interesting passage of Scripture. You see, because our culture tells us you only live once. You've all heard the, the saying YOLO, you know, and it's not just the county up near Sacramento, okay? 
uh, you only live once. It was actually popularized through a, a, a rap song, actually. Uh, and actually, one of the Grateful Dead members has a, a ranch up in Sonoma or Sonora someplace. Uh, no, Sonoma. I always get those two mixed up. Uh, wine country. Uh, that's called the Yolo Ranch. And it kind of happened on kind of an interesting little uh, uh, quip on how they, they named it. But, you know, our culture says you only live once. So as a result of only living once, you've got you to do everything you want. You know? doesn't matter what other people want. doesn't matter what God wants. You know, actually, our culture says there is no God. You are God. And that's actually a heresy from the second century, but we'll talk about that some other sermon. You see, our culture tries to teach us that, you know, hey, man, you're, you're, you're young, dude. You've got you to gotta live once. You've got to go for it all. You know, Nike slogan, you know, your, your shirt's a Nike, you know. See, your dad's not here, so I picked on you. Yeah, tell him that, you know. Uh, Nike says, just do it. You know, you live. You live once. Go for the gusto. You deserve a break today. Our culture's just bombarding us with sermons that often we don't think are sermons. You see, our culture is preaching to you every single day, but are you filtering, or are you just sitting back and letting whatever they tell you just fill in your brain and say, oh, that's got to be true. Some of us need to realize that when you're watching television shows, when you're listening to the music, you're listening to the podcast, you're reading something online, they're preaching the gospel to you. Do you know Google has corporate evangelists? They have people that in their, in their organizational structure, they're called evangelists. Yeah, go online, check it out. And their goal is to evangelize you to the product that they're selling. Media, all of that is, has a filter. And as a believer, you need to filter things through the word. You need to, that's why scripture says, you know, be, be students of the word so you can rightly divide it. Some of us need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why? Because we've sat in a culture that's told us one thing when there's another truth. So I was reading the book of Romans while we're on this prayer time, and, and the Lord just spoke to me very clearly. And he said, you need to talk to your church about the lie that you only live once. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm going to live forever. I, I'm not living once. This is just the, the, the short end of the stick we have, however long we live this life. You know, you may be 50, 60, 70. Oh, hopefully I have more than 50 because I'm 59 right now. So I, hopefully I get at least 60 years out of this puppy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for 70. Maybe the Lord will give me 80. My mom lived to near 90, so maybe I got the gene pool for that. But however short it is, it is minuscule and compared to eternity. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man to live once, then comes judgment. And we will be judged on how we live this life and our next life will be determined which gate we go through. You could go through the pearly gate or you can go through the fiery gate. It's up to you, whichever one you choose. And how you live this life now is, is determinant of what our eternity will be like. And I tell you what, as a believer, the beautiful thing is I can live my etern part of my eternity now. Right. That's what, that's what you know, the, the Lord's Prayer. Lord, let your will be done on heaven as it's going to be on earth. So that we can have heaven come down and we can live out a portion of our future eternity now. Why? Because we have the one who created everything living and dwelling and moving in, inside of us. I'm getting ahead of myself. <sighs> Told you, Quinn, it's going to be good. If you're not listening, you better listen, buddy. So look at the book of Romans in chapter 6, verse 1. The first 14 verses, I want to look at each of those little, that little section. I want to break it down into little sections and talk to you about that. Because I want to talk to you about what the, the Bible teaches about how we live. Look what it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say? 
Shall we continue to sin so that grace may increase? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Or aren't you aware that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We therefore were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory, uh, to the glory of the Father, we too may walk in a newness of life. You see, here's an interesting thing. As Christ followers, you already are dead. You've died to self. And I mean, that's our culture right now is saying, hey, it's all about you. It's all about yourself. And if you can't do what you can do, you might as well kill yourself because there's no value in living. Our culture is preaching a gospel to us. And as strong, mature Christians, you and I need to come to an understanding of what does the word say about how we live. You see, when you read this, one of the things that it says is that if you've been a follower of Christ, you're already buried with him. Now, how many dead people or people that are buried are alive? I mean, that's a horror movie, right? But you have to be dead to be buried, right? And one of the things that the Word teaches us is that baptism is really a symbolism of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So if we would have our baptismal tank up here, and I would fill it with water, and I was going to baptize you, I'd have you stand in the water, and the water would say it'd be up to here, and I'd say, based upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'd have you hold your nose, and then depending on how well I liked you, I would hold you under for a little bit of time, or if I really didn't like you, I would hold you under until the bubbles stopped, and then we'd do your funeral right afterwards, right? Why? Because you've been dead. And what happens is when you're buried under the water, it symbolizes going into the grave, and then when we pull you forth, it, it, it symbolizes the resurrection of Jesus. And he was the firstborn. We become his followers. And so what the apostle Paul is saying is he writes to the church in Rome. He's trying to say to them, hey, guys, gals, you need to listen. You're already dead. Start living like it. Start living like you're in your second life, in your eternal life. Because as a believer... We are already stepping into eternity. When you come into Christ, you're walking into a new dimension spiritually. You're not walking in the natural anymore. You're walking in the supernatural. You're walking with the authority of Christ. You're walking with all the power of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in you. You may not know it, but it's there. It's already in you. You just don't know it. The book of 1 John in 1 John says, hey, some of you need to be taught, but you already have the anointing in you. You see, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is what empowers us to walk the victorious Christian life. It's what helps us to become strong in our faith. It what helps us, you know, it, it to be to be powerful. It doesn't matter on statute; it matters on the spirit. You can be a small person, and you can have a lot of fuego in you. You can be a small person, and you can have the power of the Lord. You know, we went to India last year, and we met this little little evangelist. I should have put her picture in a PowerPoint. But I, we met this little evangelist. She's only about this tall. And, and Pastor Lynn and I had her arms around her, and she was like a little girl. And she was a mighty, mighty evangelist. Planted churches and prayed for people and had anointing ministry and, and had re people that were supernaturally healed. Why? Because it wasn't about her physical statue. And let me tell you, when we're talking about building spiritual Christians, I'm not telling you you all have to join 24-hour fitness or goals or some health club and go to the gym and start flexing and working out, although it may help your physical cardio. 
Because the more ministry you do, you're going to realize it's tiring. Those of you going to India, you'll testify of that when you get back in a month. But ministry is not about physical strength. Scripture says physical, physical exercise profiteth little. It does profit it, a little bit. But exercising yourself in godliness and holiness is really what it's about. And so what the, the Apostle Paul is saying is that when you've been buried with Christ, then you now rise and you live a supernatural life. You live a different life than you lived before. That's why your perspective of things has changed. That's why, you, you know, some of the things that you used, to, you used to enjoy, you're like, man, I don't even have any pleasure in that anymore. Why? Because I realize that's just temporal. And I, I want to do something eternal. I'm now connected this way. I used to be connected this way, but now I'm connected this way, which helps me to connect this way even better. Then he goes into, into verse 5. Look at what it says in verse 5, 6, and 7. For if we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be regarded powerlessness. There's powerlessness in the body of sin. Po powerless. Powerless, not powerlessness. So excited about this sermon, I got my tongue wrapped around my eye teeth and I can't say a word I'm saying. Okay, it becomes powerless. Now, how many know this? Before you were a Christian, and even sometimes as you're not a mature Christian, sin is very powerful. It, it, it's control. Some of the things that, that cause us to sin, are, are, they're, they're, they're powerful. They have an authority over this. They have a dominion over us. They have this, this strength over who we are as a person. But the Bible says that when you're in Christ, they become powerless. So that we should no longer be what? Slaves to them. Now, what is a slave? A slave is someone that is, is, is chained or becomes a servant to someone else, and they don't have a right of their own. You see, sometimes what sin does to us, it enslaves us. It enslaves us. Some of us, it enslaves us physically. Some of us, it enslaves us mentally. It, our minds become slaves to the way we used to live. And you know, there's an interesting study that if you study, like, even the issue of, of poverty, there's a, what they call a poverty mindset. People think a certain way. You know, like, oh, I, you know, like, let me get, for instance, I, I, I don't have any money. I can't shop at Macy's, but I can go to the Salvation Army or, the, or to the Goodwill and buy things. And you know what's interesting? If you shop at Macy's sales, it's sometimes cheaper than the Goodwill. And you don't have to worry about other stains on it. <laughs> you know? I don't have to wash it before I wear it and wonder who was wearing it before I washed it because I don't need to know if I need to wash it in cold water, hot water, steam water, or sanitize, you know? You see, your mindset is programmed to think a certain way. And when you become a slave to sin, sin has this ability to just kind of, it kind of gives you the Vulcan death grip. It just grabs you and just takes hold of you and your, your whole mind is controlled by that action. And so what the power of the gospel does, when you realize that I'm going to live and die to self, then that power of sin is no longer control over you. Yeah. You know? How do I know that? I've lived it. I, I was, I, I would, before I was a believer, I was into all kind of stuff. I actually had my picture on the front of the college newspaper, passed out drunk, because I had partied all night, and I was in a tux, supposed to take a girl to a prom in college, and I was drunk, and they put my picture on the front of the college newspaper. 
I got, this is interesting, before I even got saved, I was sitting in a bar drinking, and I have a family history. This is, some of you say, well, my, you know, it's a family, family issue we have. I, trust me, my, I've got brothers and uncles and aunts and all of it, just alcoholics. And oh, I'm never going to break that. I remember sitting at a bar at 11 o'clock, and I remember the Holy Spirit was dealing with me, and I had no idea what the Holy Spirit, who he was. And I was sitting at a bar, and I put my drink down, and I said, I'm never going to drink this again. It's going to kill me. And you can drink as a Christian. That's fine. Just don't get drunk. You know? Don't depend on it. Don't have it as well. You know, I just need a glass of wine to relax at night. Well, studies have shown that that doesn't do anything. It really, it, a glass of wine at night gets you kind of a, a little bit the edge off for a couple hours, and then it wears off. You know? And as a pastor, let me tell you something about alcoholism. It will destroy families. It will destroy relationships. And I'm not just talking about alcohol. I'm talking about drugs. I'm talking about pornography. I'm talking about shopping. I'm talking about you name anything that is a, a bondage or authority over you. It will destroy you. And what, what is amazing is the power of the gospel says you no longer have to be a slave to sin. That's right. Amen. You know? So as a believer... Now, I mean, I could go out with people that may drink, and I don't condone it, but I'm not going to condemn them because i got to let the Holy Spirit deal with them. But I could sit with them, and they could sit, and they could say, man, you want to drink? You want this? No, thanks. I don't need that. I don't, I don't need that control over me. I don't want to go back into that bondage, you know? I used to do all kind of drugs, and I'm not trying to glorify it. I'm just trying to be real with you. And, and that has no appeal to me anymore. You know why? Because I've been set free. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back to that lifestyle. You know? And the truth of the gospel is, when you die to self, it releases you from the authority and the dominion and the control of that. That's why in Romans chapter 12, he says, Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, listen to this, this is so good. In view of God's, how many of you want the mercy of God in your life? Amen. You know? God's mercy is better than his law. I mean, there's the two balances. You could either have judgment and the law, or you could have mercy and grace. You know, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the one I'm going to follow because he's full of grace and truth, and he's going to give me his mercy. And his mercies are new every morning. And he says this, to, to no longer offer your, or to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. I hate to tell you, us standing here this morning and raising our hands and standing, and that, that's great, but that's not really true worship. True worship is saying, here my Lord. Here my God, I'm here. This is David Willis laying on the altar. I'm, I'm living for you. I've died to self. Okay, someone throw flowers, do a nice eulogy, do something nice, tell me how great I was, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm dead. What, Lord? get up and live for you? I thought it was dead. Are you sure? I had this great funeral. They said things about me that weren't true. But he says, get up and live. Live not for yourself anymore, but live for me. And when you live for me, I will empower you to do things that you couldn't do yourself. The sins that so easily beset you will now become things that you just walk on through because they no longer have a control or authority over you. The addictions that you have are no longer powerful and they no longer rule and reign over you. Why? Because Paul 
who wrote Romans, said that in Romans 12, but he also said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says that, you know, hey, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. How many of you are dead this morning? If you're dead, you can't raise your hands, can you? If you're a living sacrifice, you can. So if you've died to self and you live to Christ, there is a newness you have. There's a, a life that you embrace. You know, one of the things that's so beautiful about the Apostle Paul, he said as a Christ follower, you cannot live for yourself. You can't. You've got to live for Christ. What does Christ ask you to do? Well, Christ will ask you to do all kind of things. I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, man, I never in the wildest imagination ever thought I would be a pastor. I mean, I appreciated the pastor that led me to the Lord. Actually, I just got a letter from him last week and a picture of he and his wife. You know, I never thought I'd be a pastor. I never thought I'd, I'd do missions. I never thought I would travel the world and do all these things for God. Why? Because that was never in my frame. But you see, when you die, then you step into eternity. And God opens up opportunities that you thought never were imaginable. And let me tell you, some of you, you're right on the precipice of making a decision. And God's saying, take the step. You know, to just step in. It's so much better. You know, it's almost like, you know, have you ever seen those movies where there's like a filter and the person has to go through? They're usually sci-fi movies. And they go from one dimension to another. There's a portal or wormhole or something they go through. And they they're in one dimension and they think they understand it. And then they step into another dimension and they have complete revelation and understanding, not just of themselves, but of the culture and system that they just came through. That's really what it's like with the Lord. When you step into that new relationship with him, amazing things happen. I'm running out of time, so let me, let me jump down to Romans chapter 8, because this, this is uh, chapter 6, verse 8. He says, listen, now if you died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we, we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Listen to this. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too must count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. And death, death, when it talks about died with Christ, it talks about a union, a spiritual union with him. And he says, look what he says in, in verse uh, 8. He says, and we believe this. You believe is something like, I may believe I can fly, but I'm not going to jump out of a plane without a parachute. I may believe I can walk on water, but if I'm out in the ocean, am I just going to step out into a boat and just stand on the water? I mean, a lot of you walk on water, especially when it's frozen. But how many of you walk on it when it's not frozen? You see, belief is more than oh, yeah, yeah, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that I have all the power of the Holy Spirit in me. You see, one of the reasons why we want to give you something, my wife and I use this term all the time when we talk about church. We want to serve you guys filet mignon. I know we're on the Daniel fast. Next week you'll be able to have some. That's for you, Michael. I know how much Michael likes steaks. He'd come up to me after service. Quit talking about, you know, food. But we want to serve you the best you can have because we realize this is, for some of you, this may be the only spiritual sustenance you get all week. And we want something quality. We want you to encounter the Lord. We want you to press in and step from the natural into the supernatural. And let the Holy Spirit do something in you. 
You know, one of the things that is interesting, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, said these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's, or excuse me, chapter 4. He said, this, this is an amazing verse. He says, we, we always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. You know, a lot of us are carrying around a lot of stuff in our bodies. But how many of us are walking in the knowledge and the authority and the relationship with Jesus that we carry his death in our body so that we can reveal him to those around us? You see, because when you, when you die to self, it's freeing. You know, you don't have feelings as a dead person. Well, I don't like your hair. That's fine. I don't care. So I shave it off. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't like the fact that you have to talk about Jesus all the time. Well, that's okay. I don't like the fact that you use his name in vain all the time. You know? I don't say that, but I, think, I may think it. You might as well say it if I think it, right? That's what Scripture says. People insult you as a believer, and it's, huh, I don't care. You're not insulting me. I had a guy one day cursing every time, and he says, well, what the blanky blank you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry if I offended you. I said, it wasn't my name you were using in vain. I said, you don't need to apologize to me. You know, apologize to him. And he got this look on his face. He goes, okay. And he said, forgive me. You know, it's funny when people find out you're a pastor, their, 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 their verbiage changes. You know, when people find out you're Christian, they make, I had a guy who would curse in front of me just to see how to respond. And I just like, okay, doesn't bother me. You know, I'm not the one that's going to be held accountable for every word that comes out of my mouth. You are. You know, so, hey. But when you're living with the power of the resurrected Christ, who not only died, but was resurrected living in you, talk about power. Talk about being spiritual. Talk about being super Christians. You know? So look what he says at the end in Romans chapter 6, verse 12 through 14. He says, this is interesting. He says, now that you know all of that, he says, let me, let me give you the, the punchline of the whole thing. Let me tell you the truth of what the gospel's all about. Don't let, don't let sin control your mortal bodies. Don't, don't let sin, you know? There, there was things when I was a younger Christian that I struggled with, and now I look back and I'm, man, that, that's like nothing. Why? Because I, I'm a muscular Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm solid in my faith. I know what I believe, and I know that he is able to do exceedingly above, abundantly above what I ask and believe. And he says this, he says, do not present the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. You see, when you die to self, then you really fully understand what life is. And he says, and present your body to him as instruments of righteousness. So when we're, before we learn to die to self, our, our body becomes instruments of wickedness. But when we die to self, when we live for Christ, we become instruments of righteousness. We, we no longer, those things no longer control us. We now walk in the freedom because we have Christ dwelling and living in us. And he is powerful. He is authority. He has got all the power of, of the resurrected life in him. And you know what? This is what's amazing. So many Christians, if you don't get anything out of this message but this, listen to this. You have all the spiritual power and authority you will ever need at your disposal if you would only tap into it. As a believer, you have all the authority. You can overcome sin. 
You can overcome uh, addictions. You could overcome all of these things. Next week, next Sunday morning, by the way, we're going to have Teen Challenge Choir. They're going to be here doing a worship, part of the worship service with us. Uh, but they're going to be here, and they're going to be giving testimonies. What is a testimony? It's one person's telling the story, which is going to be your prophecy. It's a testimony of how they used to be involved in all kind of addictions, but how the power of the gospel set them free. You know what? As a believer, if you would just press in, that's why scripture says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Because as you step from living your life the way you want to living your life the way Christ wants, man, there is such freedom, there is such power, there is such authority you have that you can do all these things. Worship team, come on up. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, John, 1 John is a, a cool book because it's a book that was written by someone that loved Jesus very dearly. And he, he uses a term throughout the, the book, if you read it in the English translation, uh, dear children or dear little ones. And it's a very endearing term. It's, it's, it's not even really translatable, the true meaning of it from the original language to the English language. We, we kind of lose some things in translation. But basically what he's talking about is this, I have such a, a deep, deep affection and love for you. That's what the words here say. He says, you, who I have this deep, deep abiding love and affection for, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And what he's telling the early, early Christians is this. When you learn to die to self and you learn to live to Christ, there is a power that lives in you that if you could only imagine how powerful you could be when you tap into that relationship you have with the Lord, sin is just taken away. Those, those desires you had are taken away. Those things that bound you are taken away. Lord, right now, this morning, we just come to you. And I ask and pray that, Lord, if there's any of us that are here this morning that have been doing the spiritual hokey pokey, yeah. stepping from life back to death, yeah. into life back to death, that, Lord, you can just set us free. I pray that we would understand the power that you have dwelling and living in a relationship when we learn to die to self and live for you. And, Lord, I, I, I don't want this message to be a message of condemnation because that's not what the gospel's about. The gospel's a message of freedom it's a message of grace. It's a, a message of forgiveness. And right now, if that's you, if you're a person that is doing that kind of hopping one side, going back and forth, or maybe kind of leaning against the dying to self-fence, but you haven't making that step, I want to just pray for you. And I, I want to ask, and I want to pray a simple prayer, because a lot of times it's, there's lack of faith in believing that God's going to be able to do for other, what he's done in others to do for you. And let me tell you, you are no different than any other person. You are no different than the Apostle Paul. You're no different than Pastor Lynn or myself or any other super spiritual uh, person you know. God wants to do something powerful in your life. You know? And I'm going to pray with you. Lord, right now we ask that if we're living that double standard, that you would convict us of that and we would ask for forgiveness. And Lord, right now I ask that if anyone here is living that double standard life, that you would just forgive them as they acknowledge their inconsistency in the way they live. And I pray that you would forgive them, Lord, and then you would clothe them with power. I pray that as they, they take that step into pressing into you and being that living sacrifice, that God, you will do something powerful in their life. 
You will do something majestic in their life. I pray that, God, you would take them and do something in their lives that they never even thought imaginable. That, God, there's something that, that you're going to do in them that God is going to be so amazing. They're going to stand back and, and, and be in awe. And, Lord, I thank you that we could, we could come to you this morning in the middle of January, which, which is, is, is a beginning of a new month, we can make new decisions that are going to affect us for all of eternity. And I pray that, Lord, you would just empower each and every one of us to live a supernatural life. Let us live in a way that is pleasing to you. Let us cast away all those things that are holding us back. And let us run with perseverance to know you, Lord. And I pray that we'd be men and women who fall in love with your word so that it can be a release of power and authority in our lives. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Now stand up. We're going to sing a song, and some of you need to, as living sacrifices, need to give God praise for what he's released in your understanding this morning. Some of you need to just get, get on there and, you know, get a shout of victory. You know, God's not intimidated by your shouts of praise. As a matter of fact, he says, if you don't cry out, the rocks are going to cry out. You know, if you don't worship me and praise me and, and acknowledge what I've done, I'm going to have some inanimate object do it because I'm the one who created all things. And if you need extra prayer this morning, I'm just going to encourage you. We have prayer couples on both sides of the sanctuary this morning, and they're going to be praying if you want some prayer. But I just want to close the service today by doing this. Let's just praise God for who he is. Can we do that? Let's just worship the Lord and thank him for what he's done. Give him some praise. Give him the fact that you can die and live again in him, that you can have power, you can have authority, you can be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So did you get filled up today? Listen, the Lord tried. <laughs> if your gate was open, you got filled up. Amen. We're gonna, I'm going to dismiss you in prayer in just a minute. But for those of you volunteering for the Thirst Conference, please see Phoebe Samuelson out in the lobby before you leave to get your assignment for the Thirst Conference, okay? I hope you're all there. I want to see you Friday night. Amen? Actually, I want to see you tonight at 5.30. But if you can't make that, that's, you know, I understand. But 7 o'clock, Friday night. God's got some great stuff for us, okay? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the word that was sent to us today. We thank you that we have power over sin, and we are alive in Christ, and we walk in victory over sin, that there's nothing that can keep us in bondage. So if there's something that we're having bondage in our life over, then we need to stamp, stomp it out because it is not alive in us anymore. That sin is no longer alive in us, but you are alive in us, Lord Jesus. So we declare that, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Lord. We walk in that as we go into our week with great expectation of the miracles that you have poured out into our lives. We thank you, Father, in your name. Amen. God bless you as you go. See you tonight, 530, 7 o'clock, Friday night for the Thirst Conference.